Section 13 of State of the Union Addresses, 1829 to 1836. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Andrew Jackson, December the 1st, 1834, Part 2. In 1834, April, nearly three years after the signature of the treaty, the final action of the French chambers upon the bill to carry the treaty into effect was obtained and resulted in a refusal of the necessary appropriations. The avowed grounds upon which the bill was rejected are to be found in the published debates of that body and no observations of mine can be necessary to satisfy congress of their utter insufficiency although the gross amount of the claims of our citizens is probably greater than will be ultimately allowed by the commissioners sufficient is nevertheless shown to render it absolutely certain that the indemnity falls far short of the actual amount of our just claims independently of the question of damages and interest for the detention that the settlement involved a sacrifice in this respect was well known at the time a sacrifice which was cheerfully acquiesced in by the different branches of the federal government whose action upon the treaty was required from a sincere desire to avoid further collision upon this old and disturbing subject and in the confident expectation that the general relations between the two countries would be improved thereby the refusal to vote the appropriation the news of which was received from our minister in paris about may fifteenth eighteen thirty four might have been considered the final determination of the french government not to execute the stipulations of the treaty and would have justified an immediate communication of the facts to congress with a recommendation of such ultimate measures as the interest and honor of the united states might seem to require but with the news of the refusal of the chambers to make the appropriation were conveyed the regrets of the king and a declaration that a national vessel should be forthwith sent out with instructions to the french minister to give the most ample explanations of the past and the strongest assurances for the future after a long passage the promised dispatch vessel arrived the pledges given by the french minister upon receipt of his instructions were that as soon after the election of the new members as the charter would permit the legislative chambers of france should be called together and the proposition for an appropriation laid before them that all the constitutional powers of the king and his cabinet should be exerted to accomplish the object and that the result should be made known early enough to be communicated to congress at the commencement of the present session relying upon these pledges and not doubting that the acknowledged justice of our claims the promised exertions of the king and his cabinet and above all that sacred regard for the national faith and honor for which the french character has been so distinguished would secure an early execution of the treaty in all its parts i did not deem it necessary to call the attention of congress to the subject at the last session 
i regret to say that the pledges made through the minister of france have not been redeemed the new chambers met on july thirty first eighteen thirty four and although the subject of fulfilling treaties was alluded to in the speech from the throne no attempt was made by the king or his cabinet to procure an appropriation to carry it into execution the reasons given for this omission although they might be considered sufficient in an ordinary case are not consistent with the expectations founded upon the assurances given here for there is no constitutional obstacle to entering into legislative business at the first meeting of the chambers this point however might have been overlooked had not the chambers instead of being called to meet at so early a day that the result of their deliberations might be communicated to me before the meeting of congress been prorogued to december twenty ninth eighteen thirty four a period so late that their decision can scarcely be made known to the present congress prior to its dissolution to avoid this delay our minister in paris in virtue of the assurance given by the french minister in the united states strongly urged the convocation of the chambers at an earlier day but without success it is proper to remark however that this refusal has been accompanied with the most positive assurances on the part of the executive government of france of their intention to press the appropriation at the ensuing session of the chambers the executive branch of this government has as matters stand exhausted all the authority upon the subject with which it is invested and which it had any reason to believe could be beneficially employed the idea of acquiescing in the refusal to execute the treaty will not i am confident be for a moment entertained by any branch of this government and further negotiation upon the subject is equally out of the question if it shall be the pleasure of congress to await the further action of the french chambers no further consideration of the subject will at this session probably be required at your hands but if from the original delay in asking for an appropriation from the refusal of the chambers to grant it when asked from the omission to bring the subject before the chambers at their last session from the fact that including that session there have been five different occasions when the appropriation might have been made and from the delay in convoking the chambers until some weeks after the meeting of congress when it was well known that a communication of the whole subject to congress at the last session was prevented by assurances that it should be disposed of before its present meeting you should feel yourselves constrained to doubt whether it be the intention of the french government in all its branches to carry the treaty into effect and think that such measures as the occasion may be deemed to call for should be now adopted the important question arises what those measures shall be our institutions are essentially pacific peace and friendly intercourse with all nations are as much the desire of our government as they are the interest of our people but these objects are not to be permanently secured by surrendering the rights of our citizens or permitting solemn treaties for their indemnity in cases of flagrant wrong to be abrogated or set aside it is undoubtedly in the power of congress seriously to affect the agricultural and manufacturing interests of france by the passage of laws relating to her trade with the united states 
her products manufactures and tonnage may be subjected to heavy duties in our ports or all commercial intercourse with her may be suspended but there are powerful and to my mind conclusive objections to this mode of proceeding we cannot embarrass or cut off the trade of france without at the same time in some degree embarrassing or cutting off our own trade the injury of such a warfare must fall though unequally upon our own citizens and could not but impair the means of the government and weaken that united sentiment in support of the rights and honor of the nation which must now pervade every bosom nor is it impossible that such a course of legislation would introduce once more into our national councils those disturbing questions in relation to the tariff of duties which have been so recently put to rest besides by every measure adopted by the government of the united states with the view of injuring france the clear perception of right which will induce our own people and the rulers and people of all other nations even of france herself to pronounce our quarrel just will be obscured and the support rendered to us in a final resort to more decisive measures will be more limited and equivocal there is but one point of controversy and upon that the whole civilized world must pronounce france to be in the wrong we insist that she shall pay us a sum of money which she has acknowledged to be due and of the justice of this demand there can be but one opinion among mankind true policy would seem to dictate that the question at issue should be kept thus disencumbered and that not the slightest pretence should be given to france to persist in her refusal to make payment by any act on our part affecting the interests of her people the question should be left as it is now in such an attitude that when france fulfils her treaty stipulations all controversy will be at an end it is my conviction that the united states ought to insist on a prompt execution of the treaty and in case it be refused or longer delayed take redress into their own hands after the delay on the part of france of a quarter of a century in acknowledging these claims by treaty it is not to be tolerated that another quarter of a century is to be wasted in negotiating about the payment the laws of nations provide a remedy for such occasions it is a well-settled principle of the international code that where one nation owes another a liquidated debt which it refuses or neglects to pay the aggrieved party may seize on the property belonging to the other its citizens or subjects sufficient to pay the debt without giving just cause of war this remedy has been repeatedly resorted to and recently by france herself toward portugal under circumstances less unquestionable the time at which resort should be had to this or any other mode of redress is a point to be decided by congress if an appropriation shall not be made by the french chambers at their next session it may justly be concluded that the government of france has finally determined to disregard its own solemn undertaking and refuse to pay an acknowledged debt in that event every day's delay on our part will be a stain upon our national honor as well as a denial of justice to our injured citizens prompt measures when the refusal of france shall be complete will not only be most honorable and just but will have the best effect upon our national character since france in violation of the pledges given through her minister here has delayed her final action so long that her decision will not probably be known in time to be communicated 
to this congress i recommend that a law be passed authorizing reprisals upon french property in case provision shall not be made for the payment of the debt at the approaching session of the french chambers her pride and power are too well known to expect anything from her fears and preclude the necessity of a declaration that nothing partaking of the character of intimidation is intended by us she ought to look upon it as the evidence only of an inflexible determination on the part of the united states to insist on their rights that government by doing only what it has itself acknowledged to be just will be able to spare the united states the necessity of taking redress into their own hands and save the property of french citizens from that seizure and sequestration which american citizens so long endured without retaliation or redress if she should continue to refuse that act of acknowledged justice and in violation of the law of nations make reprisals on our part the occasion of hostilities against the united states she would but add violence to injustice and could not fail to expose herself to the just censure of civilized nations and to the retributive judgments of heaven collision with france is the more to be regretted on account of the position she occupies in europe in relation to liberal institutions but in maintaining our national rights and honor all governments are alike to us if by collision with france in a case where she is clearly in the wrong the march of liberal principles shall be impeded the responsibility for that result as well as every other will rest on her own head having submitted these considerations it belongs to congress to decide whether after what has taken place it will still await the further action of the french chambers or now adopt such provisional measures as it may deem necessary and best adapted to protect the rights and maintain the honor of the country whatever that decision may be it will be faithfully enforced by the executive as far as he is authorized so to do according to the estimate of the treasury department the revenue accruing from all sources during the present year will amount to twenty million six hundred and twenty four thousand seven hundred and seventeen dollars which with the balance remaining in the treasury on january the first eighteen thirty four of eleven million seven hundred two thousand nine hundred and five dollars produces an aggregate of thirty two million three hundred and twenty seven thousand six hundred and twenty three dollars the total expenditure during the year for all objects including the public debt is estimated at twenty five million five hundred and ninety one thousand three hundred and ninety which will leave a balance in the treasury on january first eighteen thirty five of six million seven hundred and thirty six thousand two hundred and thirty two dollars in this balance however will be included about one million one hundred and fifty thousand dollars of what was heretofore reported by the department as not effective of former appropriations it is estimated that there will remain unexpended at the close of the year eight million two thousand nine hundred and twenty five dollars and that of this sum there will not be required more than five million one hundred and forty one thousand nine hundred and sixty four dollars to accomplish the objects of all the current appropriations thus it appears that after satisfying all those appropriations and after discharging the last item of our public debt which will be done on january first eighteen thirty five there will remain unexpended in the treasury an effective balance of about four hundred and forty thousand dollars 
that such should be the aspect of our finances is highly flattering to the industry and enterprise of our population and auspicious of the wealth and prosperity which await the future cultivation of their growing resources it is not deemed prudent however to recommend any change for the present in our impost rates the effect of the gradual reduction now in progress and many of them not being sufficiently tested to guide us in determining the precise amount of revenue which they will produce free from public debt at peace with all the world and with no complicated interest to consult in our intercourse with foreign powers the present may be hailed as the epoch in our history the most favorable for the settlement of those principles in our domestic policy which shall be best calculated to give stability to our republic and secure the blessings of freedom to our citizens among these principles from our past experience it cannot be doubted that simplicity in the character of the federal government and a rigid economy in its administration should be regarded as fundamental and sacred all must be sensible that the existence of the public debt by rendering taxation necessary for its extinguishment has increased the difficulties which are inseparable from every exercise of the taxing power and that it was in this respect a remote agent in producing those disturbing questions which grew out of the discussions relating to the tariff if such has been the tendency of a debt incurred in the acquisition and maintenance of our national rights and liberties the obligations of which all portions of the union cheerfully acknowledged it must be obvious that whatever is calculated to increase the burdens of government without necessity must be fatal to all our hopes of preserving its true character while we are felicitating ourselves therefore upon the extinguishment of the national debt and the prosperous state of our finances let us not be tempted to depart from those sound maxims of public policy which enjoin a just adaptation of the revenue to the expenditures that are consistent with a rigid economy and an entire abstinence from all topics of legislation that are not clearly within the constitutional powers of the government and suggested by the wants of the country properly regarded under such a policy every diminution of the public burdens arising from taxation gives to individual enterprise increased power and furnishes to all the members of our happy confederacy new motives for patriotic affection and support but above all its most important effect will be found in its influence upon the character of the government by confining its action to those objects which will be sure to secure to it the attachment and support of our fellow-citizens circumstances make it my duty to call the attention of congress to the bank of the united states created for the convenience of the government that institution has become the scourge of the people its interference to postpone the payment of a portion of the national debt that it might retain the public money appropriated for that purpose to strengthen it in a political contest the extraordinary extension and contraction of its accommodations to the community its corrupt and partisan loans its exclusion of the public directors from a knowledge of its most important proceedings the unlimited authority conferred on the president to expend its funds in hiring writers and procuring 
during the execution of printing and the use made of that authority, the retention of the pension money and books after the selection of new agents, the groundless claim to heavy damages in consequence of the protest of the bill drawn on the French government have, through various channels, been laid before Congress. Immediately after the close of the last session, the bank, through its president, announced its ability and readiness to abandon the system of unparalleled curtailment and the interruption of domestic exchanges, which it had practiced upon from August 1st, 1833, to June 30th, 1834, and to extend its accommodations to the community. The grounds assumed in this annunciation amounted to an acknowledgment that the curtailment in the extent to which it had been carried was not necessary to the safety of the bank, and had been persisted in merely to induce Congress to grant the prayer of the bank in its memorial relative to the removal of the deposits and to give it a new charter. They were substantially a confession that all the real distresses which individuals and the country had endured for the preceding six or eight months had been needlessly produced by it with the view of effecting through the sufferings of the people the legislative action of Congress. It is subject of congratulation that Congress and the country had the virtue and firmness to bear the infliction, that the energies of our people soon found relief from this wanton tyranny in vast importations of the precious metals from almost every part of the world, and that at the close of this tremendous effort to control our government, the bank found itself powerless and no longer able to loan out its surplus means. The community had learned to manage its affairs without its assistance, and trade had already found new auxiliaries, so that on October 1st, 1834, the extraordinary spectacle was presented of a national, more than half of whose capital was either lying unproductive in its vaults or in the hands of foreign bankers. To the needless distresses brought on the country during the last session of Congress has since been added the open seizure of the dividends on the public stock to the amount of $170,041, under pretense of paying damages, cost, and interest upon the protested French bill. This sum constituted a portion of the estimated revenues for the year 1834, upon which the appropriations made by Congress were based. It would as soon have been expected that our collectors would seize on the customs or the receivers of our land offices on the monies arising from the sale of public lands under pretenses of claims against the United States, as that the bank would have retained the dividends. Indeed, if the principle be established that any one who chooses to set up a claim against the United States may, without authority of law, seize on the public property or money wherever he can find it to pay such claim, there will remain no assurance that our revenue will reach the Treasury or that it will be applied after the appropriation to the purposes designated in the law. The paymasters of our army and the pursers of our navy may, under like pretenses, apply to their own use monies appropriated to set in motion the public force, and in time of war leave the country without defense. This measure resorted to by the bank is disorganizing and revolutionary, and if generally resorted to by private citizens in like cases would fill the land with anarchy and violence." It is a constitutional provision that no money shall be drawn from the Treasury, but in consequence of appropriations made by law. 
the palpable object of this provision is to prevent the expenditure of the public money for any purpose whatsoever which shall not have been first approved by the representatives of the people and the states in congress assembled it vests the power of declaring for what purposes the public money shall be expended in the legislative department of the government to the exclusion of the executive and judicial and it is not within the constitutional authority of either of those departments to pay it away without law or to sanction its payment according to this plain constitutional provision the claim of the bank can never be paid without an appropriation by act of congress but the bank has never asked for an appropriation it attempts to defeat the provision of the constitution and obtain payment without an act of congress instead of awaiting an appropriation passed by both houses and approved by the president it makes an appropriation for itself and invites an appeal to the judiciary to sanction it that the money had not technically been paid into the treasury does not affect the principle intended to be established by the constitution the executive and the judiciary have as little right to appropriate and expend the public money without authority of law before it is placed to the credit of the treasury as to take it from the treasury in the annual report of the secretary of the treasury and in his correspondence with the president of the bank and the opinions of the attorney general accompanying it you will find a further examination of the claims of the bank and the course it has pursued it seems due to the safety of the people funds remaining in that bank and to the honor of the american people that measures be taken to separate the government entirely from an institution so mischievous to the public prosperity and so regardless of the constitution and laws by transferring the public deposits by appointing other pension agents as far as it had the power by ordering the discontinuance of the receipt of bank checks and the payment of the public dues after january first eighteen thirty four the executive has exerted all its lawful authority to sever the connection between the government and this faithless corporation the high-handed career of this institution imposes upon the constitutional functionaries of this government duties of the gravest and most imperative character duties which they cannot avoid and from which i trust there will be no inclination on the part of any of them to shrink my own sense of them is most clear as is also my readiness to discharge those which may rightfully fall on me to continue any business relations with the bank of the united states that may be avoided without a violation of the national faith after that institution has set at open defiance the conceded right of the government to examine its affairs after it has done all in its power to deride the public authority in other respects and to bring it into disrepute at home and abroad after it has attempted to defeat the clearly expressed will of the people by turning against them the immense power entrusted to its hands and by involving a country otherwise peaceful flourishing and happy in dissension embarrassment and distress would make the nation itself a party to the degradation so sedulously prepared for its public agents and do much to destroy the confidence of mankind in popular governments and to bring into contempt their authority and deficiency in guarding against an evil of such magnitude consideration of temporary convenience should be thrown out of the question and we should be influenced by such motives only as look to the honor and preservation of the republican system 
deeply and solemnly impressed with the justice of these views i feel it to be my duty to recommend to you that a law be passed authorizing the sale of the public stock that the provision of the charter requiring the receipt of notes of the bank in payment of public dues shall in accordance with the power reserved to congress in the fourteenth section of the charter be suspended until the bank pays to the treasury the dividends withheld and that all laws connecting the government or its officers with the bank directly or indirectly be repealed and that the institution be left hereafter to its own resources and means events have satisfied my mind and i think the minds of the american people that the mischiefs and dangers which flow from a national bank far overbalance all its advantages the bold effort the present bank has made to control the government the distresses it has wantonly produced the violence of which it has been the occasion in one of our cities famed for its observance of law and order are but premonitions of the fate which awaits the american people should they be deluded into a perpetuation of this institution or the establishment of another like it it is fervently hoped that thus admonished those who have heretofore favored the establishment of a substitute for the present bank will be induced to abandon it as it is evidently better to incur any inconvenience that may be reasonably expected than to concentrate the whole moneyed power of the republic in any form whatsoever or under any restrictions happily it is already illustrated that the agency of such an institution is not necessary to the fiscal operations of the government the state banks are found fully adequate to the performance of all services which were required of the bank of the united states quite as promptly and with the same cheapness they have maintained themselves and discharged all these duties while the bank of the united states was still powerful and in the field as an open enemy and it is not possible to conceive that they will find greater difficulties in their operations when that enemy shall cease to exist the attention of congress is earnestly invited to the regulation of the deposits in the state banks by law although the power now exercised by the executive department in this behalf is only such as was uniformly exerted through every administration from the origin of the government up to the establishment of the present bank yet it is one which is susceptible of regulation by law and therefore ought so to be regulated the power of congress to direct in what places the treasurer shall keep the monies in the treasury and to impose restrictions upon the executive authority in relation to their custody and removal is unlimited and its exercise will rather be courted than discouraged by those public officers and agents on whom rests the responsibility for their safety it is desirable that as little power as possible should be left to the president or the secretary of the treasury over those institutions which being thus freed from executive influence and without a common head to direct their operations would have neither the temptation nor the ability to interfere in the political conflicts of the country not deriving their charters from the national authorities they would never have those inducements to meddle in general elections which have led the bank of the united states to agitate and convulse the country for upward of two years the progress of our gold coinage is creditable to the officers of the mint and promises in a short period to furnish the country with a sound and portable currency which will much diminish the inconvenience to travellers of the want of a general paper currency should the state banks be incapable of furnishing it 
those institutions have already shown themselves competent to purchase and furnish domestic exchange for the convenience of trade at reasonable rates and not a doubt is entertained that in a short period all the wants of the country in bank accommodations and exchange will be supplied as promptly and as cheaply as they have heretofore been by the bank of the united states if the several states shall be induced gradually to reform their banking systems and prohibit the issue of all small notes we shall in a few years have a currency as sound and as little liable to fluctuations as any other commercial country End of section thirteen